0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Nice to see everyone today and online. Obviously, we're continuing the theme of wearing flannel when we preach. Marco set the. I, I just got a much thinner one, so I'm not going to be sweating like he was. Um, so, yes. Oh, sorry, the Holy Spirit, so maybe I will be sweating. No, we just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Marco and Charlie, for allowing me the opportunity. And for all of you coming today, it's going to be an exciting day. We're going to look at faith. And, and I also just want to say thanks to the worship team. I had a sense going into this service that we want to create space for God to move. We have a sense that he's going to move. So I didn't tell Mike anything about what I'm preaching He chose those songs, uh, Hearing God, and it's just amazing how those songs set up what I'm going to say. You know, the Lion and the Lamb, we begin worship by looking up at who he is. And as we get on into faith, we'll see why that is important. But just a quick review, last week, like Marco said, we started Advent, we started with hope. Marco preached on hope, just about the prophetic promises of the Old Testament, and how they pointed to the hope that we now have which is Jesus Christ. What's interesting as I began to do this study and preach preparing for faith is that you begin to realize that all the things that we hold on to are actually Jesus. So when we go, hope is Jesus, faith is also Jesus, and we'll see that as we go. Um, One of the things that I wanted to also say, my wife doesn't know I'm going to say this, she's in the back room. Yeah, Friday was my 11th wedding anniversary. So, yes, she has... Yes, Carrie is a saint. Thanks, Thanks for that, Marco. That's great. Um, no, but just in preparing for this, one thing that has stood out to me is I know no one else who has a greater level of faith than my wife. Just just seeing her pray me through and our family through and trust God through some very, very difficult times. And I was just challenged with the fact of how many of us, me being a man, so how many men here have success today because of a praying mom or of a praying wife. Amen. And I just think we need to a round of applause to all the ladies here today for just being on their knees praying for us. Alrighty, I'm, I'm going to ask a favor if you guys don't mind risking with me today um, in preparing for faith. Um, I have the wonderful thought long ago to get the word faith tattooed onto me. I'm just going to warn you, if you get words tattooed on you, get words like wealthy or rich, or really ridiculously good-looking, because whatever you're going to get on here, you're going to be tested on. So I've walked a long road of, of going through many different situations in my life of faith. Yes, we all do. I've had some extremely horrible ones that were all self-induced. I've had ones where I was subjected into it because other people made bad decisions. But nonetheless, faith is something that we all have to grow in. And the difficult thing with faith is that you grow in it By having it tested. You don't get more faith. Well, when you ask the Lord, hey, Lord, I want more faith. We want to see healings. We want to see wonders. And in that moment, we're like, oh, that's exciting. Yes, I'm praying for faith. And then we found out that the the tires fall off the car. It breaks down. You know, all four of your children get sick within three days. It's horrific, right? And that's, but that's the testing. That's the stretching of our faith. And the key is, what are we putting our faith in? What are we looking to? What are we holding on to in those times? And that's what we're going to look at today. This message has been one where I felt I've spent more time praying than actually writing stuff down. So I'm very much out of my comfort zone in this aspect. I normally have many pages of notes. I don't have a lot of pages of notes today because I felt challenged by the Lord to let him speak more than me. And I have a wonderful ability to overcomplicate things extremely well I'm very efficient at doing that. So as we go today, like I said, I want you to risk with me, come on a journey with me, allow God to speak to us, and let's see where we go with what God has for us. Alrighty, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just say thank you that we're able to come here. Thank you that we get to look at faith, Father. We get to look at who you are. We get to just be challenged and changed by faith. You know, in the prayer meeting um, beforehand and Wendy leading it now, Lord, we just see that The world out there is not necessarily an easy place to be in, and having faith in something is something all the world does, and it's what we have it in that determines the strength of it that we have. And so I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, anoint this preach, anoint this time, anoint all of our hearts, break open, just minister us to where we're at while we begin to look at faith, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Alrighty, we're going to start in Luke. Now... Obviously, this being Advent, it wasn't like, hey, Tim, you, here's faith, now you have to make it a Christmassy kind of theme and, and find a scripture that links in with faith, right? So I felt to start, we're going to look at the story of Mary and, and the angel Gabriel from Luke 1. We'll come back to it at the very end, and it's just going to kind of set the stage for us of this, this word we call faith. All right, we're going to start at Luke 1, verse 26. with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of God of the most high and the lord will give you gift to him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever for his kingdom will be no end so just before we move on from there what i find amazing just coming into this is back in the day the old testament day way back in the day before oh, Charlie's not even in this room. Before Charlie was born. So, I mean, we're even before him, which is hard to think of. But yes, back in the day, women, the Israelite women were doing what then were considered the woman things to do. So that's the house, food, looking after children, and making babies. Those were the things that they used to do back then. And so this word betrothed means that Mary was not, had not consummated her marriage with her husband yet, but that she was engaged to a man named Joseph. Now in our day and age, people get engaged and break engagements off like they choose different colored starbursts. So you can chop and change as you want. But back then, it was an extremely big deal to be betrothed. It was as if you were married, but the lady hadn't left the house and hadn't been with her husband, but it was that serious of a deal. So you can imagine Mary's going about her day, minding her business, day-to-day activities, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel shows up and says, "Hey." you're going to have a baby. I know you're a virgin. It's going to be okay. That's why she was greatly troubled and stressed. Can you imagine what's going through Mary's mind initially? Oh my goodness. First of all, I'm talking face to face with an angel. How can this be? So that's when she asked the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This is not the same how that Zachariah had when he doubted. This is a practicality of, hey, how is that physically possible? What are the steps that are going to take? And it says, Gabriel then says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy. And he goes on to say, Elizabeth is already, you know, with child, though she was barren. Verse 37, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to all that your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary now has this conversation with Gabriel. So she's found out high. The Holy Spirit's going to come on her. Remember back then the Holy Spirit wasn't a word that we was as commonly talked about as we do. I mean it wasn't talked about then. So at her stage still she's going, Oh my goodness, what's gonna like what is this gonna mean for me? Yet she's really, really excited because God's chosen her. So she's like, Yes, for sure, Lord, I'm in. Hundred percent. And how often does that happen to us? We hear God speak to us, we're like, yes, I'm excited, let's go to the nations, let's go talk to those people, let's leave my job, let's start this, let's do this, and we're really excited. And then the practicality of what, of what it means for that to happen hit us, and we freak out. So imagine what Mary's now going through as she sits two days later realizing, I'm a virgin who has a child, who's going to believe me? So nobody's going to believe me, because this type of activity has never happened before. And that's why we see in Matthew 1, Joseph begins to make the decision to divorce her quietly. He doesn't want to bring shame to her. I'm sure many other people had brought shame upon her. I'm sure she had been lies and rumors were going around about who she was and what was going on with her. But Joseph decided not to after having an encounter with an angel. He said, no, I'm going to follow what the Lord has said. I'm going to take her. I'm going to marry her. And we later see that she does actually have Jesus. But it's interesting to see that when God calls us and we get excited and we say, yes. And amen and we're going for his things how often it works out counter to what we think the culture is gonna how it's gonna look does that make sense so for example God told me to leave a job to start another one I was in a during COVID have making more money than I needed now you're starting business from ground zero it does not make sense you get excited yes I'm gonna be my own boss then the practicality is hidden and you're like month end is coming oh lord help us right it doesn't make sense Karen and I have we've lived in South Africa. We've lived in the U.S. God called us to come to join Mark and Kat without knowing who Mark and Kat were. I mean, if we had known, we probably still would have come. But, but um, no, I'm just kidding. But nonetheless, God said, "Hey, you know, you can live anywhere in the U.S." So we started praying about it, and eventually we fell to Texas, and He calls us to come and join them, and it's exciting. But then you realize you're leaving your support group in Wisconsin, your family, your parents. You're coming to a place where you know nobody, not even really the people you're joining. Starting from ground zero again. It's not easy. It's not, it's, not, it's not a wonderful thing to sometimes have to do to walk in faith. But the promise and the blessing comes from being obedient while we walk in faith. Amen. So let's go to Hebrews 11. This is, the, this is the faith scripture we always go to. I want to speak around this for a few minutes. Faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it... The people of the old received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So the question that goes as we look at faith is what is faith? So we see that it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in doing this study, what was very interesting to find out is that the word assurance leans to that of a foundation. Right, that's, it's, it's so sure, it's, it's the ground level. And how true is that of what our faith is? Wow. And what did we find the number one area that Satan generally attacks? He's not attacking the top of the house. He's attacking the foundation of the house. Because if he can throw the foundation off kilter, the whole house will fall by itself. So it's, it's the, faith is the assurance, it's the foundation, it's the, it's the strength that we build everything else on. Wow. Conviction is a knowing, it's a proof, it's something that's been tested so when we look at this, you know, faith is the foundation of things hoped for, the proof of things that we cannot see. In 2 Corinthians, we see, you know, we live by faith, not by sight. Yeah, In verse 6, here it goes, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen. So the key point of faith, and we'll see this as we go a bit further, is that it's not necessarily always seen. Well, it's never seen physically. It might be seen as we begin to walk it out, but it's the assurance, it's the knowing, it's the foundation, it's the solid belief that what you are doing is what God has called you to do. And you walk out that way. However, one thing I found interesting that we as Christians have made more difficult for ourselves is that we throw the word faith around linked to everything like, going I say faith that this engine of my car is not going to die, and then the next minute it dies. So the world has seen the word faith connected to things that are not actually what we should have our faith in, right? So I've begun to realize that the faith and the strength that we have when it comes to faith is what you have it in. And even, yes, I can have faith that my children are going to grow up wonderful, and I can pray, but they're still human, they're still sinful, and they still may not grow up the exact way I want them to. So there's only one individual that we can actually have faith in that will never fail us, and that's Jesus. So following Hebrews 11, we get a whole testimony and a list of different individuals' names of how they have walked the road of following what God has said, doing what he has asked, and they're commended in Hebrews 11. Then we hit Hebrews 12, and it says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, all these people who have gone before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which kings so closely let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfector of our faith. Faith gets its strength not by what we have it in, by who we have it in, uh-huh. and faith is defined by the who, which is Jesus. Amen. So the strength of our faith can be linked to the relationship that we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's the main reason why I wanted to just get quickly into worship and then have a time afterwards is I believe worship is a great way to have our focus lifted high and look at Jesus, and we find from that place our strength, our faith is strengthened. Amen. Faith is not an emotion or a feeling, though it can create those things. We don't have faith in our emotions because they're all over the place. Faith is looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of faith. Founder means chief leader, prince, the one who takes the lead in anything and thus gives us the example. So Jesus is the exact example we have when it comes to the faith that we walk out. Later on in Hebrews 12, it says, who who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus walked through some really, really difficult times in faith, knowing what his father had called him to do. The strength of our faith rests on the understanding of Jesus in two aspects, of who he is. Okay, so that's what we've been talking about. So faith is, yes, I have faith in Jesus. I know who he is. I know what he's saying. But also in who, he's, who we are in him. Because I find that that's also an area where we begin to waver. We'll get into that in a minute. The theologian Michael Eaton says, Faith relates to God's word and God's character. It is believing God in such a way that we have a deep and gripping assurance that what God says will happen, will happen. Faith is the opposite of sight. The very heart of faith is certainly that God is telling us the truth. I know there are several South Africans in here, which is, which is fantastic and wonderful. Um, yes, amen. Growing up or, or being in Africa for a while, the level of faith that, that a lot of African people live in far supersedes my understanding of what faith is on a day-to-day level. And you begin to ask your question, well, why is that? Why are they able to, and I've heard testimonies and I've seen, seen arms grow, blind people, seen dead race from the dead, people have walked on water, and this is common. So for us, it's like superhero stories. We're like, oh my goodness, they're legends. For them, that's the standard. There's a, an account of a, guy, a gentleman who was going to a training time and he had to cross a river in Africa and it had just so happened the night before that it had flooded. But he held on to the fact that God told him he had to go, so he went and he walked on the water to that meeting. But they know no other way to live. They know no other way. But, hey, if God said it, this is how it has to happen. So what happens to us here? Why are we, and we we do have that, but what distracts us? What takes us away? It's all the creature comforts that we have. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to sell everything and burn everything and go live destitute or mimic those situations. No, we can have that same activity of God moving here today now, but it requires a more desperate view and hunger and holding on of who Jesus Christ is. OK, so we're going to go to one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Second Chronicles 20. This is good old Jehoshaphat. This story is a very big um, I've held on to it a lot this year. Uh, it's my most underlined part of my Bible. It's even hard to read some of the words. But uh, this story has spoken immense amount immense amounts of myself, my family, and just the road of how we've walked through it. It's it's a great story to look at a response to situations that arise and how we have faith and how we can walk this out. So we're going to spend some time here, and this is what I want to look at. So just before we start chapter 20, in chapter 19, Jehoshaphat's kind of bringing the people back. God's working. People are honoring God. There's just a wonderful move of what God is doing. And then in verse 1, And two of of chapter 20, we see these three different nations set up, and they come to attack. Isn't it interesting that that's often what happens in our lives? As we begin to push in, as we begin to set time aside, as we begin to claim and say, hey, I'm going to have my devotion, I'm going to have my quiet time, or we begin to follow God, it's normally in that place that we begin to get attacked. This has been an extremely rough week for me. Sleep has been but a dream. And and many other things happening because of just the, the anticipation and the preparation going into this preach. The devil doesn't want us to have success specifically in the area of faith. Because remember, if he can disrupt that view of who Jesus is, just like in the garden that we heard, is that really what he said? Well, he may not see the instant result, but long term, if we hold on to that, we'll will fall aside. The house will fall. So, this is the place that we come into 2 Chronicles 20. It's just a place of, hey, God, people are turning back to God, um, exercising their faith, people are having a good time with the Lord. And now we get into 20. So we'll start at verse 2. So the men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you. Later on, it's referred to as a horde. So I don't, you know, I don't know if you can picture how many people a horde is, but it's too many people. You know, if you watch the zombie movies, that's kind of like a horde. At the end of the world where all of humanity turns into a zombie and they're coming for you, that's the kind of setting that we are here. So they go and they tell him and says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. So one of the things I wanted to encourage us with is often when God asks us to step out or move or we extend our faith, it is okay to be afraid. It doesn't mean you've lost it. It doesn't mean we've lost it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to move. But it's what we do next that vitally matters. It's where we turn next that decides the success of the outcome. And so Jehoshaphat sets his face to seek the Lord. So he proclaims the fast and all Judea gets together. Carrie was working through a book with the ladies Bible study and this thing seek, you know, they seek, they set their face. They, they turn to look to God is in the book. It says the reason for his resolve was a higher trust in God than his military might, riches and political alliances. So Jehoshaphat knew that in that situation of being afraid, he could have sent out his armies, made a plan, evacuated the city, but he knew that God was still greater than the situation that was coming at him. And so he set his face to seek the Lord. And like I said, that's where worship turns our eyes onto Jesus and faith grows. And that's what begins to happen. So they seek, they're praying, you know, in verse five and six and onwards, they're praying verse six, oh Lord, our father, you are God. You are not a God. Are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kings of the nations in your hand, our power and might so that none is able to withstand you. I just think as we exercise our faith, as we move through life's difficult situations, a, a great, way to ha- a great um, practical way to do it is, yes, we first seek the Lord's face, but then declare the goodness of who God is. And that's how we begin to see our faith grow, that there is power and might in the Lord and no one is able to withstand you. So Jehoshaphat is now beginning to declare the truth about who God is over the situation that he has found himself in. Verse 9, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, the judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the house and before you, for your name is in this house. And we cry out to you for affliction, and you will hear us, and you will save. So let's just make that personal. So as Christians, we have Christ in us. Amen. So yes, there will be tough times that will come, whether you do it yourself, or whether you find yourself in a situation that is tough. that, is that And it may end up that your life is taken that might be a result of the situation or the road God has called you to but the thing that we have to hold on to is that it is he who has called us Amen. he will not leave us he will not forsake us even if it ends God forbid in death well we're in a much better place immediately than where we are now there is hope in this message it's just I you know this is advent I, and everyone's like oh my goodness we're all gonna die no don't <laughs> worry it's 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 gonna get good So we turn to verse 12, and he goes on to say, "O O our Lord, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, and we do not know what to do, but... So, again, we can be in those situations and find ourselves going, oh, my goodness, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what to do. I I don't understand. And, again, it's in that situation that where we look next matters. And Jehoshaphat was our eyes are on you. He is the founder. He's the perfecter. That's how we run the race of endurance is by a turning to Jesus and a looking at him. And then verse 13 to 17 is just a time where God pours out prophetically. He speaks through an individual I'm going to just read what he says to the individual and just allow, allow the Lord to speak to us in this moment, to speak to you in the situations you found yourself. So it says, Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Right? So God has now declared that, hey, whatever's going to happen, I've got it. Okay? Don't worry. Don't freak out. Now, that's much easier said than done. I, I get that. We all go through those times where, you know, it's easy to say, yes, I've got faith, but when you're in a really tough situation, Nine times out of ten, I'm quietly freaking out. I'm a big meme sender, as most of you who talk to me know. Stop it. Most of you who talk to me know. And there's one that I absolutely love. It's Robert Downey Jr. And his eyes get really wide and his arms are crossed. And at the bottom, it just says, internal screaming. And I often send it to care, like when there's a situation with the children where you're just sitting and watching your health implode on you. And you're just screaming inside, but smiling on the outside. So yes, it's okay to be dismayed. It's okay sometimes to be discouraged. We understand that, and it's okay to be afraid. But again, it's the actions and the steps that we take from that place that define the, the, the success that we have. Amen. So verse 16, Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley. So often I think we, when living in faith, expect God to erase the situation we're facing. So this is not that case. So, first of all, God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. Don't be scared. Da-da-da-da. Can you imagine? Sweet. It's all sorted. But tomorrow you need to go out and face them. Wow. Say, what? So, now, th- so there is an expectation that Jehoshaphat and his army and his people are going to go out and face this great horde that's coming at them, but yet God is going to work. And in our lives, it's the same thing. Yes, God wants to work. Yes, God wants to move. But it often means we have to face the situation that we are going to be going through. But it's how we face it. It's knowing that the battle isn't ours that the victory's already been won, that God's got our back, that he's gone before us, behind us, he's all around us, and we are in him, and we're going through the situation with him. We we see in verse 17, you will not need to fight. Okay, so already he's told them, hey, I've got the battle, but you're going to go out and face them, but you not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judea, O Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So that's like I just said. We have to go out. We have to face the situations that we're in. And sometimes in the physical reality, there are practical things we have to do in order to navigate that situation we're going through. But we need to realize and understand that the battle is not ours. It's already happened. We're, We're fighting from a place of, hey, This is victory. And now that's extremely counterintuitive in this day and age. The world is like, no, no, the world's imploding, and you're saying everything's going to be fine, because God often speaks from looking at the very, very end. We don't know that it's going to be okay, but he's like, it's going to be fine. And how often, that once you've walked through it, and you look back, you go, I would have stressed out so much less knowing that this is how it would have ended if I'd only known that three weeks ago. But that's what faith is. It's holding on to what God has for us, walking through it knowing that he has the end result. Verse 18 and 19, 18 to about 20, we then see that Jehoshaphat and his team begin to worship and pray. And I think that that's just, again, it's just that posture of, hey, as we face these situations, even as God encourages us, as we walk through hard and difficult moments, continually to be a place in a place of prayer and worship. It lifts, our, uh, lifts our, our gaze and strengthens our faith. So this is my favorite part now from 20 onwards. So he gets up in the morning, he tells his people, okay, believe in the Lord your God. This is verse 20, 20. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So he's referring back to that word that was given to them. Hey, the Lord's going to fight your battles. Don't worry, it's fine. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire to go before the army. So this for me is the kicker. So first of all, They're in a really, really good time with the Lord. There's three nations that are coming to attack them. It's a great horde. Yes, we're going to... They freak out. They turn to the Lord. They pray. God speaks to them. Now everyone's on fire and they're encouraged. But Jehoshaphat's resolve is so strong. Now, I don't know if I would have done this. So you're facing a great horde that you know God has told you you will face. That he puts his worshipers in front of his army. So you have to realize that the first line of defense, that if for any reason you thought you heard wrong, your first line of defense is not going to save you. They're gonna, I mean, maybe you get a harp player, and with Stephen's skills, they can shoot a flute at someone like a bow. But other than that, I mean, your, your, your army is going to get wiped because your worshipers are going first. It doesn't, again, it doesn't make sense. And that's the point, is that walking with God sometimes will not make sense, especially according to the world's view. It's almost counterintuitive. It, it, why would you put those people first? Why would you put those worshipers first? But that's what he does. And they say, and when they went before them, say, give thanks to the Lord for a steadfast love endures forever. Again, this is just a, a short clip, a short thing from the book that Kerry was reading on steadfast love. It says, the Hebrew word translated for steadfast love refers to an unfailing love that is based on covenant, commitment, promise, and relationship. In other words, the Israelites could be confident going into battle not because of the might that they could muster in terms of their own strength, but because of the mighty hand of their covenant-keeping and faithful God. So that's who is going before them. In their physical reality, they just saw the worshipers. Can you imagine being that first line of guys with army with spears and swords waiting? That these no, I don't, these worshipers are going in front of us. What are we going to do? How are they going to save us? What's going to happen? No. They, they continued to walk out in that. And they were singing. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, set an ambush against the men. Again, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sirah who come against Judah so that they were all routed. For the men, uh, the, the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Sirah, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants, they all destroyed one another. Wow. But notice that in that part that I read, the Israelites have not physically seen that happen. Because verse 24 says, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked at the horde and behold, everybody was dead. Wow. So what we don't realize is that when God calls us to walk out of faith and we begin to walk, he's already going before us. We cannot see what he's doing. It doesn't make sense. I don't, like I've tried to picture in my head how, like, I, how do three nations end up killing each other? In my mind, I go, surely there has to be one man left because if they're all fighting and killing, maybe he killed himself. I, mean, I don't know how that's possible. But the point is, is that God went before them. They never saw the battle. They came up over a hill or whatever it was, and there was just a sea of dead people. And they're going, oh, yeah, the Lord was fighting for us. But they didn't see him fighting for them. And that's the point of faith. Is that as we walk and as we step and follow God... And as we follow what he has said he's going to do, he's gone before us and he's preparing the way and he's fighting the situation, working the, the, the circumstance that we are in out for us already. And then we walk into the blessing of what that is. And later on, you see that the blessing is more plunder that they could ever have. So faithfully following God will produce blessings. It might not physically be money or reward or riches or something like that, but faithfully following God always produces a reward of some kind, whether it's for now, but it's definitely for an eternal reward. Okay. There were two major areas that I just felt um, for this service that God wanted to minister to us. We've hung out quite a while at the first one, and that's understanding who God is. That when we walk in our faith, the strength of our faith rests heavily on understanding who he is. But the second point is also understanding and having faith in who we are in him. Amen. You have to realize that if God asks you to do something, he has faith in you that you can do it. Yes, you can't do it on your own. You have to do it with him. But if he's called you to do it, he knows you can do it. But that's, but that's our area where we get attacked. So if God says, hey, I've called you to do X, and we go and do that, all of a sudden you doubt, we faint, we fall to the side, because we doubt we have the ability with God to be able to do it. So Matthew 14 is Jesus, is Jesus walking on the water. Good old Peter. So we see in verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And I think this, is the, I think this applies to a lot of us today, here and online, is that we are in, in a boat, we're living our lives, we're doing what God has called us to do, but we honestly feel beaten and broken we feel like every single thing is absolutely against us that nothing is going right even what we think God is doing we're going well why would God be doing this if he loves us it doesn't even make sense what he's asked me to do it just goes against my understanding of who God is it's not easy following God he never said it would be easy but it's unbelievably rewarding and in the fourth watch of the night, they came to them, he came to them, Jesus, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking, they were terrified, they thought he was a gross. Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And prophetically, for this message, for this time, that's a, that's, that's a message I would felt to say over us, is that the situations a lot of us find ourselves in, that we, we do not need to be afraid. Jesus is walking with us through it. You know the footprints on the sand story where you look back and you only see one set of footprints and the guy was like, why was there only one set? Well, that was because Jesus was carrying you. Jesus answered, because I was carrying you. So there's just Jesus' footprints. He's with us, carrying us through the situations. Take heart, do not be afraid. So we get wonderful Peter who says, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and begins walking on the water. I think Peter gets a little bit of a bad rap for this story because I think the fact that he decided to get out and do something that no other human has ever done up to this point in all of history is pretty amazing, other than Jesus. So he gets out on the word that God had spoken to him. God had said, come. So Peter gets out. My Lord has called me. In faith, I'm going to walk out and do exactly what he has said. And he gets out and he starts walking on the water. And then we know that he begins to look at the wind and the waves and he begins to doubt. But now he's not doubting Jesus because Jesus is still walking on the water. So he begins to doubt his ability to do what God has called him to do. And he begins to sink. Right? Because Jesus, is, Jesus isn't sinking. He's still standing there. But the wonderful thing is, is that, and I love this, is that immediately Jesus reached out. So Peter must have started sinking within feet of, in front of Jesus. Because yeah. Jesus immediately reached out and picked him and pulled him out of the place that he found himself in. And I think we need to take courage of that, is that as we walk this road that God has called us to, as we look at this thing of faith, as we understand that there are times and situations that we're going to go through things, God is there. We may stumble, we may fall, but God is immediately there, able to pick us up, and we continue on walking with him. The devil wants to get us to doubt who God is and who we are in him. If God has called you to do something, walk the Christian walk. Whatever it is, as simple and as tiny as it is, raise four children. Right? My wife... I helped my wife raise four children. My wife raises four children. I was going to clarify that quickly. <laughs> no, we both raised four children, but that's a calling. God has said, hey, I want you to have four kids. So it's the simple things. It's not just the monumental, I'm going to leave this country and go start a church in Indonesia. Those are also we need to hear. We absolutely need to hear God in those situations as well. But it's the little tiny every day-to-day tests that have God has said for you to do it. Go talk to the lady in the HEBQ. Oh, but I can, oh, how do I do that? I'm, uh, what happens if she, it doesn't matter what the, what's going to happen. God has said do it. Go and do it. All right, in closing, if the worship guys want to come back up, I said we would circle back quickly to Mary. You know, as we look at all this, faith is the assurance and the conviction of who God is and who we are in him. And like I mentioned before, you know, Mary is living her day-to-day life, doing what women back then do, not stressed, just betrothed to her, stud, can't wait to be with him. Everything's going to be hunky-dory, living her life. And God interrupts that moment. Heaven comes to earth and changes the course of her life and all of human history. And the interesting thing to think about is, what happens if Mary had said no? Do you think God asked Mary because he knew she would say no? I don't know. But the point is that her obedience, her ability to say, hey, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to do. If this is what you have for me, then I'm going to do it. Regardless of what the situation is, regardless of the shame I may feel, or the things that may come, I'm going to do it. Her faith rested on the fact, and I know I've said this over and over, the faith rests on the fact of who God was and who she was in his plan. And I think in this season, as we go through trials, as we go through situations, even in this Advent, Christmas time, let's not lose sight of what it's about. Right? It's all about Jesus, and we say that over and over and over, but it's truly all about Jesus. The greater revelation of Jesus that we have, the stronger our faith will naturally become. You try to focus on growing your faith naturally, you're going to be doing works, and it's going to become very difficult. Focus on Christ, allow him to lead and guide you, and you will see your faith grow naturally. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.